The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Taking Stock. I'm Kathleen Hayes. My co-host, Pim Fox, is on assignment this Friday afternoon. Could it be as easy as five easy theses to give us common sense solutions to America's greatest economic challenges? We're going to be speaking now with James Stone, New York Times bestselling author, about his new book. We're going to especially talk to him about financial reform. What's wrong with the banks? This from a man who has been there and done that. He's worked in the financial services industry. His critiques and ideas are going to be oh so interesting. He's always oh so interesting. He's in the newsroom. His name is Charlie Pellet, and he's got a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I thank you very much, Kathleen Hayes. We're looking at a down day here with the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, all declining. We are brought to you by Vanek. Vectors ETFs expect more from your munis. Target tax exempt income by maturity and credit quality, all with low cost ETFs. Visit vanek.com slash muni. Vanek. Access the opportunities. Stocks are retreating. S&P heading for the steepest drop in two months amid caution over tepid global growth and a series of looming events with the potential to spur renewed market turbulence. Right now, we've got the S&P 500 index down one, uh, down 24 points, a drop there of 1.1% to 2,091. Dow Industrials down 158, a drop of nine-tenths of 1%. NASDAQ is down 72, a drop there of one and a half. Murray Gunn is head of technical analysis at HSBC Securities in London. He's looking for what he calls a market melt-up. Once the market starts uh, moving up, you're going to see a bit of a scramble, I think, for people to get into the market. The, the, the one issue we have at, at the moment, the one potential problem, is the fact that on-balance volume has not passed its previous peak. So really we'd like to see on-balance volume move up. Uh, above that, but um, if we move about 2134 uh, on the uh, S&P 500, there's a potential target for 2363 in terms of an Elliott wave, what we call wave equality target. And right now the S&P at 2091. Gold up 580 the ounce, 1278, a gain of 0.4 percent. 232 on Wall Street now. Let's look at other news from around the world on Bloomberg Radio. Thank you, Charlie. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Scarlett Fu. Although House Speaker Paul Ryan called Donald Trump's attack of a federal judge a textbook definition of racism, he is still supporting the Republican presumptive nominee. I believe that he's certainly better than Hillary Clinton. Uh, these are the choices that we have. And here's the question I ask. Do I believe that these principles and these policies that flow from those principles have a better chance of making the law with Donald Trump than Hillary Clinton? Absolutely. I do believe that. 
Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell tells Bloomberg Politics Trump's attacks on ethnic groups and other Republicans need to end. He says Trump needs to pick an experienced running mate because, quote, he doesn't know a lot about the issues. Fans line the streets of Louisville to say a final goodbye to hometown hero Muhammad Ali. Cleon Robertson was a high school classmate. Him also uh, running through the, through the halls, uh, red tat tatting on the lockers that he speed boxing and going down the hallways. Ali was 74 when he died last week. A memorial service is being held to honor the three-time heavyweight champ. Former President Bill Clinton is among those expected to speak. Police are investigating the firebombings of two Staten Island churches in the same week as possible hate crimes. Police say a man tossed a Molotov cocktail Thursday at the First Central Baptist Church on Staten Island, setting the exterior wall of the church and its awning on fire. On Sunday, a Molotov cocktail was thrown through a window of St. Paul's Memorial Episcopal Church, causing a small fire. Both churches are in the Stapleton neighborhood. No arrests have been made. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus around the world. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Scarlett Fu. Charlie? And we thank you. And again, recapping, S&P 500 index down 24 points to 2,091, a drop there of 1.1%. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. The biggest economic challenges facing America could be solved with five easy theses, some common sense solutions. So writes James Stone, founder, chairman and CEO of the Plymouth Plymouth Rock Group in Boston. He joins us today from there. I just have to quickly know. First of all, I want to say welcome, Jim. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks. Glad to be with you. I also want to let our, 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 our listeners know a little bit about your background. You, you taught economics. You got your PhD in economics at Harvard. You were the Massachusetts Insurance Commissioner from 75 to 79. You were chairman and commi- commissioner of the CFTC, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. You founded Plymouth Rock. I could go on and on, but you are a guy who really knows business. You're not just, uh, you, you're, you know, you're not, a, you're not only an academic. And I think that's one of the things that makes this book so powerful. What drove you to write it? Well, I felt I had some unfinished business from my time in Washington. I didn't convince people when I was there of the dangers of derivatives and over-financialization of the economy. And so this book was a chance to link my three careers and take another crack at convincing people. Well, let's start there then, because uh, you're not the only person who tried to convince uh, the world that there were dangers in derivatives, and you were up against the likes of Alan Greenspan. You know, the former Fed chairman who did a lot of things right, but this is one thing he didn't recognize, nor did Larry Summers, who became Treasury Secretary, uh, you know, nor, nor did many other regulators in Washington. What is your common sense solution, and why do you say there's still so much risk in the financial system? Well, the financial system didn't really get improved after the last crash. Uh, you know, after the 1929 crash, the big lessons were learned, and the big lessons are simple, which is less leverage and more disclosure. I think Dodd-Frank was a step forward, but it didn't solve either of those things. And today, the largest banks have bigger derivative open positions than they had before the crash. I think the 10 largest banks have $200 trillion in open derivative positions, three times the world's GNP. So... One of the things that you uh, subscribe, that you suggest, has to do with a, a meaningful reserve requirement for derivatives. How would that work? 
every time a derivatives position is opened, uh, you've got some counterparty risk, some basis risk, some liquidity risk, some human error risk. You've always got some risk. And so today, the a bank or other holder of these derivatives doesn't have to record these derivatives in any way that causes a reserve because they net them against one another. But the netting doesn't get rid of any of those risks that I, I just listed. It does get rid of some risk of market movement. So netting, you know, is a partial thing and not a complete thing. They should have to put up reserves. And if you had to put up even a fairly small reserve, even a very small reserve against these huge numbers, you wouldn't have these positions, and we'd be better off if the banks didn't have them by a lot. A couple other, let's go a couple, hit on a couple uh, of your five theses besides what needs to be done to make banks really safe and institutions that really grease the wheels of commerce instead of pulling the wheels off of it. Social Security, what would you do with Social Security? Oh, well, Social Security, unfortunately, is going to need to be changed in a way that nobody really likes, but it is inevitability because the, the current eligibility age was set when people lived to be in, in their 60s, and now people live to be roughly 80. Um, if we make great progress in cancer, which I think we will, people will live routinely into their 90s, we're going to have to raise the eligibility age. And the sooner we do it, the less painful it is because we can do it gradually. And too many politicians want to wait until there's a crisis, you know, speed up to the brick wall and then say, crisis, crisis, we've got to fix it. But then you've got to fix it quickly and disruptively. We should fix it now. So you want, uh, everybody wants fiscal balance, but the way you look at fiscal balance is different from austerity. Certainly that's been a, a very contentious issue in, in Europe the past several years. Many people say those those solutions to their crisis helped make even worse problems for countries like Greece and others. What do you mean by fiscal balance in the United States? Yeah, if you want to have a lower deficit, if you want to come close to balancing the budget or even balance it the whole way, you can do that. Fiscal policy ought to be used, stimulus when you need it, and um, to have no deficit when you don't need it. But the best way to fix it is to get rid of tax expenditures. Appropriations get a lot of attention every year. They get argued about. But our uh, budget is full of tax expenditures, that is, deductions, that really don't do any good. And although it's going to sound controversial, I would get rid of the home interest deduction. I think that's a terrible piece of public policy. And I'd get rid of the corporate interest deduction. If you got rid of those two deductions, you don't have to change appropriations. You don't change stimulus. You would immediately balance the budget because those equal about the deficit. And the trouble with the home interest deduction is that the bottom third of the population, the people you want to help most, are renters. They get no benefit from it. The next third don't itemize. They get no benefit from it. It's only the top third, and it subsidizes the biggest homes. All right. Well, James Stone, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us a taste of your very erudite, very interesting new book, Five Easy Theses, Common Sense Solutions to America's Greatest Economic Challenges. I'm Kathleen Hayes. This is Taking Stock on Bloomberg Radio. This Hamptons Commuter Minute is brought to you by Land Rover. Visit your local tri-state area Land Rover retailer for special lease and finance offers. Land Rover, above and beyond.
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.